Hold on to your butts. Hello and welcome to episode 49 of the Reviewed Movie Podcast. I am Ivan Kander, and as always, I am joined by my two handsome debonair co-hosts, Dave Glanz and Mike Morandi. Say hello, gentlemen. Hello, Hello, gentlemen. And this is the podcast where we talk about classic films in a modern cinematic context. On today's episode, we are going to be talking about the 1999 film American Beauty. Morning, Jim. Morning, Carolyn. I love your tie, that color. Coming, Dad. Ricky? Coming, Dad. What the hell do you think you're doing? Having everyone write out a job description, that way management can assess who's valuable and who's expendable. My parents are trying to take an active interest in me. Why can't they just have their own lives? I'm so proud of you. You didn't screw up So that was a clip from the trailer uh, for American Beauty. Uh, Just a clip or was the full trailer? I don't know. It was a clip of the trailer. There you go. Um, and if this is your first time listening to this show, I should have mentioned this up front. You can find us on the web at reviewedpodcast.com. Uh, you can find us at facebook.com slash reviewedpodcast. And you can email us at contact at reviewedpodcast.com. So we are going to have a discussion about this film, American Beauty, directed by Sam Mendez, written by um, Alan Ball, and uh, starring Kevin Spacey, Annette Benning, um, Thor Birch, Chris Cooper. Oh, Chris Cooper, correct? Yeah, it's a it's a pretty West Bentley. It's a pretty uh, it's a pretty uh, star studded cast, mm-hmm. uh, so to speak. Did you watch the movie? <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't watch the movie. Um, and this is a movie that I'm kind of fascinated to talk about for a variety of reasons. One, when this movie was released in 1999, it was a huge commercial uh, success and critical success. It was loved by both uh, popular audiences and critics, and it ended up basically sweeping the Oscars. It took Best Picture. Five, right? Five of them total? Yeah. It, it just it, and, it, and it basically created this launching pad for Sam Mendes, this very visual filmmaker. Uh, it gave Alan Ball a huge screenwriting, uh, a big start in his screenwriting career. He ended up to cr- go on to create the television series Six Feet Under, mm-hmm. and that voice is, of that series is very similar to the voice present in American Beauty. Mm-hmm. So it not only launched a bunch of careers and had a bunch of awards acclaim, um, so it was, a, it was a big movie in 1999. Now, if you flash forward over 15 years later, this movie is kind of hated amongst the critical community, hmm. or at least uh, considered to be very overrated. It's, or, it's a strange, it has a strange reputation, right? You go on Rotten Tomatoes, it's 88%, so it's still well-reviewed, right? Oh, yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> there's like an undercurrent where people almost feel, a, sh- um, um, a lot of modern critics, critics almost are like, what were we thinking in 1999? I guess, um, yeah. it, 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 There was a recent list, I forget where I read it, where they talked about the most overrated <coughs> Best Picture winners, mm-hmm. and American Beauty was one near the top of the list, along with the movie uh, Paul Haggis's Crash, mm-hmm. which is another uh, popular punching I was just going to say, there was some similarities that I feel like between the two of them. So it's interesting that uh, so I wanted to go back and watch this with fresh eyes. You know, I, I first watched this movie in 1999 when it came out. I was 14 years old, and I wanted to watch it now as a 30-year-old to see how the movie kind of 
you know, held up in my opinion and, and so forth. But before I get to my thoughts, I'm going to turn to Mike, who I believe hmm. never saw this movie in 1999. No, nope, nor any time nope. thereafter. <laughs> Which is par for the course for this show because Mike <laughs> has seen no movies. I've seen none of them. Um, yeah. So, Mike, now watching as a 2015 viewer, what did you think of American Beauty? Hmm. So, um, I said overall, wait, wait. everything is said and done. Do you want to try to, I, I should have done this earlier. Do you want to try to give a brief plot synopsis of the movie? Did we, did we not do that? I no, thought we did. Not really. Yeah. I'll read from mm-hmm. IMDb. American Beauty is about a sexually frustrated suburban father who has a midlife crisis after becoming infatuated with his daughter's best friend, which I guess is the A plot of the movie, but it's a hard movie to um, describe in a single There's log a lot line. There's pieces, yeah. Because it's just, it's about a lot of things. It's more about themes than it is about plot. Right, right. But okay, so Mike, sorry to step on you. No, 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 it's fine. It's fine. I, uh... Did you enjoy the movie or not? Uh, I say once everything is all said and done, credits roll. I'm like, oh, okay, that was pretty good. That was pretty good. It's pretty good, <laughs> man. Going through it, it, it much. This is why I same thing I thought about Crash. It's like you're getting to know these people who are just miserable people, and I'm like, I hate all of these characters. They're all just terrible. They're disgusting. Like I don't like. I don't like any of them. And then by the end of the movie, you kind of come around. You start understanding where people are coming from. But I felt like it was a little. There's some spots that are a little contrived, and I felt like maybe the characters at the end, I know they want to end on a high note, and I do appreciate that, but it felt like it almost kind of felt a little out of character. Um, you know, I, I, maybe not. I'd like to believe, the part of me that says I don't think it was too far to character, I think says something profound about people, and I liked what it's saying about them. Um, but that's kind of the same thing I thought about Crash. It's the same idea is you're going through this movie where you're being introduced to a lot of people who are just miserable people, and you can kind of see that they have a good side too. Um, or most of the people do anyway. Um, I guess they have an other side. I think that's that's uh, for sure. I, I think he's definitely trying to say something about Americana and the American dream, and uh, that's it just, just what it means to be a suburban American nowadays um, that we can kind of talk about. But overall, I think it, it's good. It's not one of my favorites, but I think it had some good things to say. Um, yeah, say timely, I, I would say, yeah. Okay. Timely in wait, so timely now or timely in 1999? I think it's still timely now. I'd say hmm. I feel like it's less. It felt a little bit 90s, like it felt like it was hitting all of the hot button issues in the 90s, right? Um, but I think there's broader themes that it kind of speaks to today. I think. Okay, very interesting, Dave. I have a, a theory about what you think about this movie. <laughs> I like I, I like this new thing where you introduce my opinion before we before I give it. It's fun. It's a fun little game. I have very yeah. few thrills in my life. So let me. Have <laughs> um, but you know what? Uh, uh, here's what I think. Okay. I don't think you like this movie very much. Is that true? That it's, it's harsh, but yeah, pretty much. No, pretty it's much. not true. It's not true. Ooh. Okay. Okay. So you're gonna do the patented Dave response, where it's like, it's fine. But just no masterpiece. Is that what you're going to say? <laughs> yes. <laughs> think, this yeah. movie, you're not going to say the movie's good for you? Is that not? <laughs> no, I wouldn't say this movie is good for you. I don't think so. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm guessing you probably saw this in theaters in 1999, right? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. did you... Did what were you, you wearing? Did, were you... Did probably you, a turtleneck and jeans. Okay, fair enough. Did you, did you latch on to the cultural zeitgeist of American Beauty at that time? Uh, I guess. Uh, I mean, it was... Um, it was a it was a highly acclaimed movie at the time when it came out in the fall. It, it, I think it came out uh, September October that year. And you would have been a fool to disagree uh, yeah, at that time. You had to like it. Yeah, I mean it was. I mean, 
a lot of four star reviews. A lot of people calling it a great movie. It wasn't, you know, and when it won In best quotes, a great movie. Well, when it, when it won best picture, it wasn't like one of those movies where it was like, oh wow, like they, they just gave it to the one that was the obvious choice for the Academy. And it was kind of a little bit, it was a little subversive for the Academy to pick a, a movie about uh, a guy who's kind of lusting after a he's an under underage kid and and all this. Uh, satire about suburban uh, suburban life it's not a typical you know it's very arts it's very academy well well, that that kind of stuff maybe is considered academy award type movie now but but, but back then i mean it was more you know the typical academy of typical oscar winner for best picture is you know epic and sincere and um Mm. you know historical and that kind of stuff i mean there's there's, there, there are movies that win that are that aren't like that but um but I think this was kind of, you know, a little bit of a change. You think, when I think of Best Picture winners, I think of like, you know, Braveheart. Um, Braveheart? Brave, that, that's the first one that uh, comes no, to your that, mind? No, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. 90s Best Picture winners. Oh, okay. The English Patient, um, oh. you know, Dances with Wolves. I mean, those. Gladiator. Are, gl- Gladiator. Yeah, those, those, you know, those are the movies that you expect to win Best Picture. Return of the, Return of the King, as good as it is, but it still kind of fits you, that you, mold. You better watch. Okay. Hey, there's nothing wrong with a movie that wins Best Picture. You're right, you're right. Well, there, there can be. There, there's there's there are certainly things so, wrong. But. A, a movie about a guy who who busts after a, a 16-year-old girl and quits his job and works in a fast food joint and hates, his, and joint. hates his wife. And, and yeah, yeah. And uh, it's not your typical Academy Award kind of movie, but it was really highly acclaimed at the time. And uh, at the time, I thought, wow, this is really pretty great i mean that that a movie like this kind of exists and uh the the idea of this anti-hero who's kind of who's suggesting that that the way we're living sucks there were a lot of movies in 99 that were kind of doing that the matrix magnolia fight club a lot of movies that were saying that let's you know the way we're living now you know is the wrong way to be living let's you know let's let's uh let's do what we did when we were teenagers let's smoke pot let's listen to you know whatever 70s music he's, he's listening to and Pink Floyd, uh, Pink Floyd right? Pink Floyd mm-hmm. and, and relax and lift weights and not worry about this, man. Let's just, but as a grown up <laughs> watching this movie, this movie basically is just a bunch of terrible people doing terrible things. And you're supposed to sympathize that the movie, I have mixed feelings about this movie now. Um, I feel like I could be talked into hating this movie. That's and there's so basically what you're saying is there's, it's not there's, a masterpiece. There are very few movies where I feel like that. No, it's not a. Ma- I don't think it's a masterpiece. I think it's undeniably an artistic statement. I, th- I think that's. I mean, the yeah. way the way it looks. The, I mean, it's it's a it's a singular vision by the writer and the director. Uh, but I think it's okay to not like that that artistic vision. And uh, so it's like, well, I, I respect a lot of things about it. Sometimes I, I, when I was watching it, I was like, eh, this is good. I, I don't understand the people that hate this movie. And then something would happen. I'd say, okay, I, now I understand why they hate this movie. That's, yeah, I felt you know? the same way. Yeah. You, you, you know, it's about uh, Kevin Spacey plays a character who who basically uh, we're supposed to empathize with. But he, he, he does things that no sane person would really find. Uh, you, you you couldn't sympathize with. I mean, he he's got a daughter, he's got a family. Um, he's not going to quit his job and then just get sixty thousand dollars and that's it and work at a fast food joint. I mean, that's not going to that's not going to maintain the lifestyle they have in suburbia. I mean, that's going to what's what's his plan? I mean, he's going to sleep with the, sleep with this girl and then what? I mean, they don't really they don't really go into his psychology enough to 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 really. Um, justify us you know actually that's the same thing that's the issue i had with them i think they're they're putting him up as this hero and his awesome character like look how cool he is so i'm like yeah but what how do you think his daughter's gonna react how do you right. think what kind of effect is he gonna have on her or what has he already had on her um yeah i, I agree yeah, yeah yeah so he you know he's 
and the thing is, a lot of this movie depends on how it ends, and it ends with him. You know, we're we're spoiling it. Uh, you know, he gets killed, right? He, he, t- he says at the beginning oh. of the movie, he said, "It's the this, opening line." Of it's the, movie. the opening line of the yeah. movie, right? He's, he he tells yeah. everybody he's gonna he's gonna die. You don't know, and the mystery of the movie is who's gonna kill him, right? And uh, and well, we don't have to say right away who kills him, but he's dead at the end of the movie, and then you hear his voiceover as if he's an angel in heaven, I guess. You know, hmm. speaking like the the movie is speaking to us through Kevin Spacey. Uh, and it's through his reanimated corpse and he's, you know, it, it's kind of got this up. It, it's trying to have a positive uplifting message with, with the things that he's saying, where he's saying like, uh, you know, in, in these last moments of life, I appreciated all the beauty of life and this and that, uh, you don't really understand what I'm saying, but you will someday. So it's like, it's kind of like a, a little sarcastic, a little condescending, I, but also optimistic. uplifting at the same time, yeah, but also yeah. optimistic at the same time. Spiritually but, even. But I don't yeah. know that it really... That it really earns that kind of ending. Well, um, so it's, it's funny you mentioned those last words. The mm-hmm. um, but you will someday. Um, right. That line to this day still gives me chills. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, mm. it, I think it's here's the deal with American Beauty, right? Like I went in watching, going and watching it this time, like really wanting to hate it because mm-hmm. I know that like it's not like it's the cool thing to do. Well, intelligent it. film people do not like American Beauty, right? The thing is it does things really well. Like there are mm-hmm. certain things that are very effective in this film and it's real hard. Like I, I just couldn't. Yeah. I couldn't hate it either. I can't hate it. No. Um, I see in, in watching it now, I see a lot of the seams in the movie, mm-hmm. the things mm-hmm. that don't work. Um, I think the worst part about this movie, I think Annette Benning is awful in this film. And the fact that she won like the best actress or whatever, she won best. No, 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 no. She was, she was nominated for best actress. She's terrible. She's playing a cartoon character. Mm-hmm. Like, like, I, I, I wish someone went to her and was like, you know, we can we can dial this back a little bit, lady. I feel like everyone's a cartoon character. That's kind of the point. It, no? it, well, it, the movie is technically a satire of suburban life in America. That is true. But she's on this different echelon. Like, she's come on. What she, about the king? Even Peter he, Gallagher. <laughs> even yeah. Peter Gallagher yeah. isn't doing it with the same glee. She's like, she's doing what I hate actors do. Is where she's. Acting, acting with a capital A. Yeah, yeah. Like she's like, I'm just gonna freaking go for it. Overacting her balls. She's off. overacting her balls. She's off. playing it on yeah. She's playing it as if she's in like a like a John Waters movie or exactly. something. Exactly. And it just it does and she's playing obviously this mentally disturbed housewife mm-hmm. who's repressed and de- depressed and dealing with that depression. And oppressed. Uh, uh, oppressed, yes. Mm. All kinds of pressing going on. Um but yeah, that just didn't work at all when I watched it this time around. But American Beauty, the reason I think that most film critics hate it so much or modern film critics dislike it is it's not a movie about characters and people as much as it is about themes. Like the whole movie is incredibly obvious with its symbolism. Like there has never been more blatant symbolism in a movie, right? Like Mm. the rose petal, like even if you're an idiot and don't understand what symbolism means in films, that rose petal. You recognize it's significant. Yeah. yeah, In this movie, like it's like, yeah, that's a symbol. Really? Like (laughs) every, like, and it's not even subtle. Like the red door, like you're always Mm. talking about color, Mike. Yeah. Yeah. And red is used so blatantly in this film. Yeah. It's not, it's not even, it is pretty crazy. The, the, the biggest takeaway, I guess, in watching American Beauty this time around is, did anyone notice that it's essentially the same machinations and plot as a movie like Office Space? It's the same movie? Yeah. 
right? Yeah, like, I think a, that might have came out the same year, actually, 99, right? It's an so adult... yet another movie about a well, guy rejecting modern society. It's about a man... <laughs> kind of like Fight Club or, yeah, well, uh, yeah, yeah, Fight Club. And or Dave, The Matrix. And Dave mentioned Fight Club, <laughs> yeah. but it's essentially... We must have had a big thing. Like We had a big boner in 1999 about this idea of rejecting conventional 9-to-5 lifestyles and get, like and and taking back the life that we've wanted. Yeah, and it was part I, of the zeitgeist. It was like maybe because of Y two K and people were thinking the world might end. Or so the fact, <laughs> or the <laughs> rise of the rise of corporate office culture and what that has become. Mm-hmm. And like that, I mean that I mean, the eighties brought the rise of this idea of cubicle culture. And then the nineties, we were at the end of the nineties. I think we were finally rejecting that this idea that. We don't have to live life like this. And I think that's why the movie resonated so much with so many people is you say, oh, how are we supposed to relate to this man, Kevin Spacey's character, Lester Burnham, who essentially wants to have sex with a 15-year-old, which is... 16. 16-year-old. Yeah, which is, oh, okay. That's awesome. Which is still <laughs> disgusting. This um, But we like... Like, but as audience members, I think uh, maybe you can answer this question. We're kind of supposed to root for him to do this, right? We're supposed to. I don't know if we actually do. Like, I, I didn't find myself rooting for him. I was interested to see what would happen, but that's I wasn't a, like, yeah, man, go for it. Yeah, but that's every, the confusing like, part. I don't know that we're supposed to root for him. We're supposed to, we're rooting for his, um, his change in character, right? We're rooting for this, we're rooting for his uh, ability to live life again, not necessarily to to sleep with the girl. I think the, the, thing, the movie thinks it's being subversive by making us sympathize with, the, the, okay, we want him to not, we want him to be happy. We want him to be Kevin Spacey, right? We want him to like say smart things to people and uh, be, you know, charming the way Kevin Spacey can be. And, and uh, but we don't want him to sleep with a 16 year old girl, right? <laughs> well, I mean, we're meant to cheer for him when he, blackmails his boss that's meant to be a scene right. as an oh, audience yeah. where you're like oh yeah he's oh, yeah. totally getting and, hit and this audience or the scene where he applies for the job at the flipping burgers we're like mm-hmm. oh yeah this is awesome he's right. totally going against yeah like we are totally meant to like relate to him he's the hero of the movie like right. and i i wouldn't even call him an anti-hero i think he's the he's he is flat out the hero of the movie yeah i do i would still say anti-hero though no aside more from on the, the side of hero than anti though right is, is the only reason you're calling him an anti-hero because he wants to sleep with a 16 year old no no no. i mean just his relationship with his wife is not trying to help her he's just he's just kind of he's he rebelling he's, against her but he's also treating her like crap his yeah, daughter but, he treats like crap yeah, he, but he tries really... to he tries to there's a scene in the movie where he tries to invite her he's just a narcissist more of this weird dominating kind of like oh, I'm going to seduce you kind of thing it wasn't like a, there's parts of it there I think there's definitely some good stuff in there but there's over the overall approach I don't think it's anything heroic I think it's anti-heroic um, but okay I, so the end of the movie though he goes to this montage of all the beautiful things he remembers before he dies and it's genuine love for an affection for his wife and daughter right yeah so he's obviously trying to rekindle that somewhat honestly in the movie right oh I think I think that's his I honestly believe that that is his unconscious goal right i think that's what he's looking for but doesn't understand it i think he's doing it in this in a way of through his you know courtship i guess you could say of this this young girl i think it's his way of trying to get back what he once had his his youth his um the idyllic world he seemed to have when his daughter was young and his wife still loved him and all that stuff um and i i think when when does she ask him how he's doing uh the girl with that was Mina Savari's character. It was, it was, yeah, she says something. Like, How do you? He's like, no one. I can't tell you the last time someone's asked me that. That was after he kind of has a realization where he can't sleep with her. Right? Yeah, it was the end of the movie. Okay, yeah. right. So I feel like that we see a change in him. I think where he thinks he has to take, he has to take, he has to take. He wants that youthfulness. I think when he's confronted with, the, he's confronted with a virgin, right? So I think if he's really this really bad guy, right, who who, who wants to sleep with someone who is that young, he should know that she could be a virgin, right? 
Um, but when he kind of comes to face to face with that, he kind of understands that that's like it's innocence, and he wants to in some way protect that or preserve it. Um, Again, like this is where this movie is so obvious in symbolism, flowers, the idea of right. flowers and virginity yeah, and yeah. all that kind of thing. Uh, but th- again, and the, the 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 reason I think this movie also is popular amongst you know was popular against average audiences is it's it's deep without being too deep. Like it's deep in the sense that like every character is putting up a facade of uh, mm-hmm. who they really are. Everyone's mm-hmm. putting up these, and we have to look closer beyond that to right. see the truth. Like, but it, it, it and. Every character, like, what's her name again? Angela, Angela Hayes, or what's her name? Her best friend's name. Yes, something like that, yeah. She is pretending to be this slutty girl of the world, and mm-hmm. isn't that at all. She's a virgin who hasn't done anything mm-hmm. and is terrified mm-hmm. of being not, of being thought of as boring. Right. Uh, you have Thor Birch's character, uh, his daughter, who is, you know, she's the hidden beauty, right? She's the beauty that the other guy is interested in because... She's not the uh, blatantly beautiful. She's different. She has more depth to her. The the Burnhams are putting up this facade of being the perfect American family, but deep down have serious problems. Mm-hmm. You have Chris Cooper's character, who is a man's man, a Marine, uh, and is inwardly a homosexual. Right. You have his son, who is pretending to be a normal kid, but really sells tons of pot on the you know side and has this whole subversive hidden life. Like every character, like mm-hmm. it, there isn't a movie I can think of that is so yeah. is so blatant in its themes as this one. And yeah. I think that that's why it rubs people the wrong way. It's a yeah. little heavy handed. In a couple spots, it felt a little like preachy. Like you got to go out there and take the life you want and live a life, live your life. And all. I'm like, yeah, all right, I get it. But again, like, yeah, again, I still feel like there is a certain truthfulness and resonance to that message. Of the movie, and I think that, like Dave said, and maybe you can talk about this a bit more, Dave. It's a very, it's a beautiful movie. Like it's gorgeous. Like everything about it looks good. <laughs> Have you guys ever there? There's if you ever gone to uh, there's a website. There was used to be a website, a blog called Video Gum. Is that a familiar blog? Yeah, so right, they yeah. had this series running called. I'm looking at it now. The worst, the hunt for the worst movie of all time, and Amer- American Beauty was just like whatever they they did it like every couple of weeks. That was their. I remember reading it one time, so I just wanted—I just wanted to read one paragraph. It was written by this guy. Uh, I, I'm not sure I'm pronouncing his name right. I think it's De- Gabe Delhay, and uh, so I—you know—maybe we can link to this in, in any show notes. But it, uh, and again, I'm reading this, and I don't really agree with everything he says because I don't think this is the worst movie all time. I don't think this is a bad movie. I think this is a good movie that didn't deserve to win Best Picture that year. Um, so his paragraph starts out, he says, uh, The main problem with American Beauty is everything. It attempts to take a sardonic view of modern, at least modern by 99 standards, middle-class suburban uh, life. Uh, a moving A.M. Holmes novel, if you will, except that A.M. Holmes is great, and this is the opposite. I'm assuming A.M. Holmes is a... I don't know. He's an author. He's not. You, you heard? Okay, sorry, haven't heard. Uh, it's, uh, it's hard to reveal the seamy underbelly of things if you don't get the billy right. Start with the opening sequence. Kevin Spacey is watching his wife through the bay window of their beautiful house as she prunes roses in a rose garden and speaks happily about them with her neighbors. When did she become so unhappy, he wonders. Wait, why is she unhappy? Because she's gardening and being friendly? Those are both really great ways to spend your time. Most people should try both of them. As it turns out, she is pretty unhappy. But it's not because of roses. It's because she's married to a self-absorbed, self-pitying child molester. So, well, I mean, the problem with that statement, though, is that she's not happy pruning roses she's unhappy and pretending she enjoys pruning roses because she thinks that's what people should see her as right being. and that's what I, isn't that's what isn't, right, that what right. he's, isn't that the point he's missing there though I, but i think the point he's making is that uh he he finds the movie he finds this to be a movie that doesn't understand suburban life 
to begin with, you know. I agree with that statement. I think that Alan Ball is writing this as what he envisioned suburban life to be, but he's not a guy inside of it. And there, there, I have a favorite author of mine. I love Tom Parada. He's a novelist that also several of his books have been turned oh, into movies, yeah. one being Little Children. Great. Um, oh, that's much, much better movie, I'd, I'd but, say. Yeah. But um, what I like about Tom Parada is he's a guy that grew up in the suburbs, so all mm-hmm. his stuff is very honest about being a middle-class white guy. He also wrote The, the Leftovers, the book. Right? He wrote the book The Leftovers. Mm-hmm. He wrote the book Election. Mm-hmm. He's, oh, yeah. he's, he's, yeah. he's great at capturing this idea of what it, the, the um, so like we as f- filmgoers say, oh, you can't tell interesting stories about boring white people, but you can. You just have to frame it in a way that, yeah, their problems aren't like they're starving or struggling. It's like this isn't Beasts of No Nation. It's not like they're, you know, trying to flee an African warlord or anything like that. But there is pathos and emotional drama in watching you know, a person struggle with their day-to-day life. And I think that's mm-hmm. what American Beauty is trying to capture. Mm-hmm. I just wish it wasn't so over the top about it. I wish it wasn't so in your face about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you agree with that. Yeah, I mean, I guess so. I mean, it's it, there's just something, that, and I can't quite put my finger on it. There's something about this movie that feels dishonest, and you want your satire to feel... You know, you want it to be funny, but you also want it to be honest at the same time. It's because at the end it kind of takes like an optimistic turn. I feel like good satire is just kind of put you in the dumper and make you yeah. be like, oh, <laughs> wow. Instead at the end, it's just kind of like, oh, oh, it's like, I mean, the world is kind of a beautiful place. And even if it's terrible, we should be happy. Yeah, which, and, and then that could be it. I mean, mm-hmm. it could be the, yeah. the fact that, the, that this movie constantly wants to have uh, uplifting moments to them. You know, I like felt the, like the tone of the movie starts out, it's supposed to be depressing. And then mm-hmm. it has these, these strange notes of optimism, which is welcome in a movie like this for me. But mm-hmm. I, I felt like it was it didn't jive with the tone that they set up in the beginning. Yeah. Well, I guess, I guess my issue with the ending, especially that montage where he's talking about the things that he, um, like his, his happiest moments or whatever. I just feel like all the things he references are really cliche, right? Like yeah. it's the cool car it's his grand, like it's his grandmother. It's it's looking at it's like those those aren't interesting moments. They're so generic. Mm-hmm. There's nothing. There's it lacks a specificity that I think that the movie, if it latched on to what specifically yeah, makes life amazing, instead of just saying life is amazing, if you look at the details, why don't you tell me what the, the yeah, damn give details? Me a specific are. memory. It just says like his wife. Like I mean, they they show her on like some kind of amusement park ride, and I feel like that was a little bit. Good. We don't know what the context is. But again, there's is. nothing like, yeah, about right. that 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 feels specific. That could have been any woman, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, his grandmother. Where did that come from? We don't even know. Like, and I think that's the larger issue of the movie. So I want to get into what American Beauty is most commonly referenced for, or at least made fun of. Get it's in there. the plastic bag. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Montage moment. It's been parodied endlessly. Mm-hmm. It's. The moment where he says, do you want to see the most beautiful thing I've ever filmed? This okay, being so West, he, he being the new kid who moves in next door. West Ball's right? character, yeah. Ricky, the next door neighbor slash drug dealer. Right. Um, so he shows Thor Birch, Jane, Lester Burnham's daughter, a plastic bag billowing in the wind. Mm-hmm. And this is supposed to represent the most beautiful thing. And he gives a little bit of a monologue there. And I think whether or not American Beauty works for you is whether or not that monologue is the dumbest thing you've ever heard or there is genuine, it's genuinely poignant or what he's saying is at least somewhat profound. It's one of those days where it's a minute away from snowing. And there's this electricity in the air. hear it, right? And this bag was just dancing. 
with me. Like a little kid begging me to play with it. For 15 minutes. Yesterday I realized that there was this entire life behind things. And this incredibly benevolent force that wanted me to know that there was no reason to be afraid. Ever. Video's a poor excuse, I know. But it helps me remember. I need to remember. Sometimes there's so much beauty. I don't think it's the dumbest thing I, I ever heard. And, and in fact, I, I I sort of get why it's parodied, but uh, and why it's made fun of. But at the same time, I really think Wes Bentley sells that scene. I mean, I, I think agree. I think he's very good yeah. in the movie. I, think, I mean, you can take the most ridiculous personally. thing in the world. I think this is a situation where, yeah, it is the most ridiculous thing in the world, and in a sense, right? And an idea that the most beautiful thing he's ever seen is a piece of garbage being mm-hmm. blown around the wind, right? But it's how they how they put it into context, how they frame it. I think he does a very good job. I think the writing does a good job, and I think his acting does a good job of, of selling yeah. that scene to me. Yeah. I think you could, as a teenager whose life is all up in disarray, you could see something like that and find some kind of peace and find some kind of inner uh, joy from from looking at it. So I think, yeah, I mean, I I, I agree. On paper, it should be laughable. Um, but when I saw it, it didn't really. It wasn't that funny to me. Like it was something like, all right, well, tell me why. I'm not quite getting it. <laughs> it's interesting that this movie takes place you know, way before YouTube and, 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 and an era where everybody had a video camera in their pocket. You know, this is a guy, who's, this is no a guy who's videotaping everything in his life so that he can sit down and remember everything in his life, I guess. Um, so I, you know, I, it, is it interesting? I mean, I, I found, I still find, found his character to be relatively interesting. I, I like the relationship between him and Thor Birch. And I think, I mean, we, maybe we should try to get into some of the stuff that actually does work about this movie because I still kind of like it. A little bit. Uh, you know, I do as well, and I, I've been saying a lot of the bad things, and I feel bad doing that because I, I agree with you. I think that his performance is really good in the movie. He's mm-hmm. the more grounded version of that Annette Benning's character isn't. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I agree, that relationship does work. It, it makes sense that these kind of two outcasts find each other. Yeah, it's, it's tender. It's, I, I feel like he good. was maybe a little too confident for somebody who was in high school and being beaten by his father. I feel mm-hmm. like... I don't know if you really find someone like that. I feel like he'd be insecure in some way. He's almost like a perfect character, right? He doesn't do any... I don't think he does anything wrong at any point in the movie aside from making an incriminating videotape. Well, but I, I mean, think like, I mean, again... He's, maybe, a little, he's a little creepy, but I don't know. I, look, if you're getting beat by your father who is that kind of an overbearing person and you're in high school, um, I mean, yeah, you're selling weeds. I guess you get some kind of confidence from that. I don't know. I just didn't buy that steely gaze that he had, the unblinking, like... Mm. I think you, you make him just a little bit more shy, and it's more. I think he's more believable that way. You make him more of a. That didn't bother, bother no, anyone else. No. no, it didn't bother me because I, I read that character as, after being abused by his father for so long and living in that toxic situation, he has risen above it and become more confident because of it. Mm-hmm. That's I wouldn't I'm, say more confident. I could say stronger. I would say definitely or more de- deeper, a deeper personality. But I think I don't think confidence is there. If, if I just don't see it. I think it's um, I think it's his way of surviving. I, th- I think that's his survival mechanism. Was just he he's found a way to act. He, you know he's uh, he has that supreme sense of confidence that everybody sees. But it's 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 how he convinces his father that he's doing one thing when he's doing another. I mean, I 
I, I see that more. I think that kind of that character, that personality, is somebody who has over already overcome his father. In the, I mean, I guess he does in in a way of like he knows what to say to his father to placate him, right? Mm-hmm. But I don't see he still seems frightened of his father, and I don't see that that kind of looking over his shoulder, kind of haunted teen, abused teen. I don't see that there. I see it as somebody who has done some stuff or has like something has happened to him in his life that has kind of. I, I just don't. You th- yep, maybe he seemed a little too mature for. Too mature, and he's just still under his father's thumb. And I think someone like that wouldn't have that, that same kind of confidence, um, especially if we're seeing that, that beatings are continuing. They're still like the way they are now. Yeah. To the point where he's not just yelling at the guy, he's beating him bloody. Like, how mm. does that not right. affect his character? You know, yeah. I, I don't know. Maybe it's possible. I just never met someone like that, and I've never... Yeah, I mean, it's... Uh... That's true. I mean, it, it, the one the one thing that happened with that relationship that I didn't buy was... Uh... And it's funny that I didn't even think about this in, when I first saw it, but they go down at the end of the movie, Kevin Spacey's been shot in the head by Chris Cooper, who's the latent homosexual father of Wes Bentley, right? And, because and of course he is. Right, yeah. And that's another, issue, of the, yes. that's another so, issue with this movie. Of course the guy who hates, who hates gay, gay people, people is, is gay, gay right, right. And uh, that, that's another thing where, again, the movie is so blatant about. Right. Yeah, that, and even even the scene where he's looking at him through the window and, and there's like the... And it would feel like a little, giving him if it would feel a little right, more right. dishonest if it weren't for the fact that it was written by a gay man. So I think that, uh, I think that you know, okay, so he has this perspective perspective on on uh you know alan ball has this perspective on, he has an opinion about a certain type of person about people who are overcompensating for the masculinity and he's he's writing a character who's you know secretly maybe gay. maybe one of those things where it wasn't cliche at the time but now i feel like oh, maybe oh, not, of yeah. course yeah right yeah I, I think that the way that the movie deals with um homosexuality in the film feels very 90s to me yes and the fact that yeah exactly that's i feel like that's something around that time i felt like was it was a hot button issue and i feel like it was addressing i mean it still is today but i think even more so at the time the issue the issue the one thing i just wanted to bring up was the fact that they see kevin spacey shot in the head on the kitchen table they walk in thor birch is his 16 year old daughter and i think she's she like covers her mouth and she screams a little bit and then west bentley kind of just has this kind of blank stare and just kind of like bends down and looks at him, sees him. You know, Kevin Spacey had obviously been smiling before he got shot, so I guess he's still smiling with his eyes open on the table, and he says he's smiling. I mean, that's not how people. He's dead. You know, I understand that this movie is satirical, but right. it, But there's, but there, but it. This this reaction to me really stuck out as something that wouldn't. This and it, it was a little disappointing because I like this relationship in the movie, but the daughter should be hysterical. I mean, right. she should be hysterical seeing her father. Sh- yeah, in the kitchen. It, it, again, it's the movie blatantly saying this theme like he was happy. He found happiness in life. Isn't yeah. it beautiful yeah. that he dies happy? And like, that's what the Wes Bentley character is trying to point out with the way he's I, looking at. I, it, right? I, I totally he's, get he's, it. Yeah, he's but yeah, it's not. It's not. A, it's not an honest reaction. At least it's not an honest reaction from the daughter. I mean, we see her scream once, and I was I was waiting to see some kind of like out of focus shot of her like screaming in the background silently or something. But no, she's just standing there. I just, you know, I, that part I really didn't understand. To see to see your parents shot dead and just have that kind of reaction, I, I don't know. It just it didn't make any sense to me. Um, but that's, that's... That's how I feel about everything Annette Benning does in this movie. Yeah, yeah. Like when she has the mental breakdown because she can't sell the house. It's just like... Where she slaps herself in the yeah, face that, and says, that, stupid, that, stupid, stupid, stupid. That scene yeah. is just... That scene's awful. Like, it's really bad. Yeah. And... I go back and forth with those scenes, actually, because it's like, I feel like... She she she's an actress who can really sell even kind of the worst kind of material, and I, I don't think her material is very good. 
Um, you know, when she says, uh, so she, they go to this uh, pep rally kind of thing, and Thor Birch, who's like the least believable cheerleader of all time, <laughs> is, is, is a cheerleader with Mina Suvari. And, uh, you know, afterwards, she says, she looks at her and says, honey, you were great. You didn't screw up once. Mm. And it's like, okay, so we understand why that line is supposed to be funny. But, and she's kind of selling it, but it's not, it, again, it, it feels a little dishonest. Uh, it, and I keep, and I keep, re, I keep using that word, dishonest, dishonest. I mean, that's the thing is that this movie uh, wants to be like satirical and honest at the same time, and it, it's, it just. Well, I think it's a mark of a guy writing his first screenplay, and maybe. and I think that the the film shows so many strong things, but also has so many failings because I mean, I don't think Alan Ball had fully developed his voice yet. Yeah. This is the issue I have with filmmakers that like suppose like it's the M Night Shyamalan syndrome where their first major movie ends up like. Becoming the thing they're known for, mm-hmm. which is a problem because I feel like they're never given a chance to get out of that shadow. Yeah. And I think that Diablo Cody had the same problem because her first her first feature film that she ever wrote was Juno, mm-hmm. a film that ends up to go on to be nominated for an Academy Award. Right. So now everything's judged under the lens of this. Right. And I think that she's actually a very talented writer. But I yeah. think that um, imagine how difficult it must be to be in that position where you're like, yeah, but this is where I was still testing out. I didn't even know what I was doing, really. I was testing mm-hmm. things out, and for some reason, that this just latched on uh, in a certain way. Um, so, yeah, let's talk about Chris Cooper mm-hmm. in this movie. He he plays Colonel Fitz, a latent homosexual Marine who um, makes a pass at Kevin Spacey. And he's, I guess this is supposed to be the big surprise ending, right? He They set up multiple people that could be willing to kill him. Mm. They set and up... That, and that, that was something that felt a little bit... That was one of the issues I felt like, oh... Who's it gonna be? Is it gonna be him? Oh, maybe it's good. And to be fair, like I, I, I enjoyed trying to figure it out. My girlfriend, like, oh, I think it's gonna be him. No, I guess it's not. Maybe it is gonna be him. I didn't mind that. So, like, but I, I think if you're trying to be the kind of movie you're trying to be, it felt a little bit like murder mystery versus <laughs> satire. I, you know I've what always, I mean? I've always liked that aspect of the movie. I like, I like that because you know when you first see it, you, there's the people that you think could kill him. Obviously, the opening scene of the movie right, they established yeah. that it, it's going to be Ricky because she asked. Um, uh, him to kill her father, right. but there's also Annette Benning who has a gun. You see her get right. a gun early in the movie, so there there are two big probable killers in could the film. Could be Peter Gallagher. Right? It, it, he, there is a lot of people that it could end up being, and the fact that it ends up being this guy who's trying, who's so ashamed of what he really is that he needs to kill the only person that actually knows um, is, um, I think, somewhat interesting in, in a certain way. Um, I think Chris Cooper gives a great performance in this movie. Oh, he's, yes, great, he he's a great actor. Yes, he does. Uh, genuinely good. And I don't feel like I've seen him in movies lately. Like, what is the last thing he's been in that you can remember? Because Chris Cooper is the man. Uh, um, well, he won an Oscar for um, the Charlie Kaufman movie. What was it? Uh, Adaptation, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, it, he's been in a lot of movies. He was in The Bourne Identity. Um, but recently. Ah, uh, yes. Okay. But recently. Like, what has he been in the last five years? Uh, I don't know. We can... Uh, Look him up on IMDb. But why? He's, why? Why? Uh, but you know, he I was think, really good in a movie called Breach. I, I don't know if you guys. Yeah, but that's know. old. That's, that's like that's also old. Uh, Last five years again. Oh, he, oh wait, he was in the Amazing Spider-Man Part Two. Right, so last five years, <laughs> the movie, good movies we, he's uh, been uh, in. Good movies he's been in. Uh, he was in he, oh, he was in The Muppets, actually. I think he actually had right. a song he in was, He was Maniacal Laugh Guy in yeah. The Muppets. Okay. Uh, again, so he hasn't disappeared. <laughs> he hasn't disappeared completely. 
Uh, yeah, I still be a maniacal <laughs> laugh guy. Oh, he was a voice in Where the Wild Things Are, which is a movie that we should do. Okay, good movies, Dave. Dave, <laughs> yes. come on, focus, man, Sorry. focus. <laughs> Siriana, that was old, uh, ten oh, years ago. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but come on, this guy's been acting since no, like I know. the, the I know early Cooper's 80s, been, late 70s. I mean, I, he's been I acting a long like time. I just feel like in the past five years, Chris Cooper's been in a little bit of a slump. I, um, I guess. Um, he doesn't have any eyebrows. That could be part of it. Yeah, that does. That is a little freaky of a picture. He, he he's not a conventionally attractive man. He's a character actor, right? He he's a guy who's he he looks he's gruff and looks gruff. Uh, Allison Janney in this movie also gives a performance I like because I think it's kind. It's so it's the exact opposite of Annette Bening's. Right, very it's, understated. It's yeah, understated. It's, yeah, which is welcome. She understated literally. She doesn't say almost anything. That's why movie. it's. That's why I like it. It's so good. She said so much by saying so little. Sorry about the mess. You know, when when it's like a completely clean house. I mean, it's. it's kind of funny it is it's, it's meant to be it's meant yeah. to be uh, darkly humorous the whole movie right. is meant to be dark it's, it's weird Alison Janney this movie actually looks somehow she's she looks younger now than she did 16 that's years ago that's exactly what Queenie was saying yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, Alison Janney is one of my favorite actresses of all yeah time. she's great well she was she was kind of an unknown uh, quantity at, at this point in her career but this is before the, this is like right when the West Wing was starting I think so um um, yeah, so I, I'm trying to I'm trying to loop up. Any final thoughts? Well, we didn't really talk too much about Kevin Spacey. I mean, the Kevin Spacey is the star of this movie. The, oh yeah, you're right. You he's know, good. You mean you mean, <laughs> the, you he's, mean the, he's, he's, he's very good in this movie. The president of space, Kevin the, Spacey. The president of space. <laughs> what? <laughs> Kevin Spacey, the president of space. Because he's, he's Spacey. Spacey, Spacey. His name's Kevin Spacey. That's his title. This was basically the peak of, of this was the peak of his career. I would say. I mean, he had he had uh, started off as a popular character actor in the late 80s and early 90s won an oscar for the usual suspects had gone had done some pretty well respected uh you know he kind of went up and down in the mid 90s and then american beauty uh you know was seen as like a, his signature role he was kind of aping jack lemon a little bit um like in the apartment which is uh he was very good at doing impressions so you would see kevin spacey do impressions of jack lemon and christopher walken and uh, a lot of have you ever seen Kevin Spacey do? This impressions? is all in this movie. You're saying no, not in this movie, but in, okay. in the ninety in the 90s on talk shows. He was very. We're losing him. He was He's a very, He was a very big star in like the the mid to late nineties. Definitely and, not so much now. He definitely fell off the radar. So it wasn't like this was especially the last about. couple of years. It's well, sarcasm. I mean, he had. Good he, God, he, Ivan. Well, he had fallen off the television. radar until House of Cards. I mean, House of Cards kind of was a comeback for him. Um, no, he's been stuff right. Come on, yeah, he had been a little absent past 10 years I would say not not so uh, I mean he, he went on to do some stinkers after American Beauty uh, you know if we're not calling American Beauty stinker which I don't think it is well, I don't think it not, is Dave. of course not uh, but he went on to do movies like K-Pax and um, oh yeah K-Pax and, yeah and you know pay it, pay it Forward oh, Pay It Forward and, such a bad movie oh and I can't remember what else a lot of, a lot of movies that weren't so pay good Pay It Forward may be my least favorite movie of all time like and like, it's funny because oh, it's a phrase on. that's kind of in popular culture no now. because like, I, I mean I, I have a genuine affection for like certain bad movies like I love The Room like I yeah. love that movie Cool mm-hmm. as Ice I like that movie because at least I like can laugh at it. But Pay It Forward is a movie that's trying to be serious and say important things and just fumbling it so badly. Um, oh, he was the voice of the computer in, in Moon. Moon, that's yeah. right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He was good in that. There you go. Kevin Spacey. He was doing fine. Kevin Spacey is a good actor and he's great in this movie, I think. I think that his facial expressions and the way he handles this towing the line between physical comedy, because there's a lot of physic- physicality to the comedy. Yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah. When he, he does a slapsticky thing in the opening of the movie, when he, his briefcase flies open and all this stuff <laughs> yeah. falls out, or just, the, just his expressions when he's blackmailing his boss mm-hmm. and when um, he encounters his wife coming through the drive-thru at the uh, Mr. Happy's, the 
burger joint he's working at. So, mm. or Mr. Smiley's. It's Mr. Smiley's. Yeah, something like that. Um, so I think that he's genuinely good in this movie. But again, I want to go back to the fact that he is basically just taking Ron Livingston's performance from Office, from from office, office space. space and just doing mm. it again. Uh, mm-hmm. you, you could argue that Ron Livingston was taking... Kevin Spacey's style from the early 90s, like swimming with sharks or the usual suspects or... Um, I just think it's amazing that no one, no one can, no one has ref. pointed out before that these movies are essentially like the same, like they're, they're touching on the same themes. Just I think, I think Office Space is a better movie. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think it's a movie that people, that more people, more, more, more people will say they like Office Space. I think more adults will say they like Office Space now. I think American Beauty is bound to appeal to, um, to people when they're like 16, 17 and they're, you know, or maybe you're just going to college and you're like 18 or 19. If you don't read enough film criticism talking about how, how much, how many film critics hate this movie now. Um, I think it's the kind of movie that you could really think is really deep and dark and, and uh, you know, this movie gets me, man, you know, when, when you're 16, 17. Yeah, it, coincidentally, we talked about Donnie Darker last weekend. I think that they both fall into that same category yeah, I guess. of like movies that, People like man, that was deep. But and I don't think Don, I don't think Donnie Darko is pretending to be something that it's that it's not. And I it think knows it's, it's terrible. Yeah. No, what? no, it's not. It's not a terrible movie. Mike, I gotta uh-huh. say, I'm gonna say something that's gonna piss you off though right now. Let's do it. I think Let's American Beauty falls in a little bit into the Shawshank realm. Oh boy, it's easy to like. You're saying it's easy to like, but yeah. it's not that deep. Mm-hmm. Hey, well, we come on, def- we should definitely do Shawshank. Shawshank come on, I'm not saying Shawshank. I like I love Shawshank Redemption. I understand why that I movie think, I'll say this about Shawshank I feel like it's it's overall messaging I would agree with but I think it has some really like beautiful scenes like some really good scenes like but everything all those beautiful scenes in Shawshank are like like they're like movie scenes like movie with a capital M like they're just like yeah because they're freaking movies <laughs> yeah it's just there's something about that that's a, like it's a little on the nose it's possible that the protagonist in that movie I mean is a character who isn't guilty and we're, we can definitely sympathize with as opposed to Kevin Spacey's character who, yeah but you don't know he's who, not guilty in, in Shawshank Redemption until like until the three end, quarters yeah. of the way through so you have to buy into the fact right. that he claims he's not guilty but you, you don't physically know that uh, I don't know I think we do at the beginning I also think it'd be a lot more interesting if he was guilty uh, maybe yeah sure <laughs> but yeah, yeah. then I mean, it's a different kind of movie I, I, like the, I like the Shawshank Redemption I do too yeah, but yeah, so. is the Shawshank Redemption the number two movie of all time according oh, no, to no, IMDB's no, no. users well I mean Godfather yeah, that's right. It's, but that's it's like right. the Shawshank Redemption is like comfort food, and I think a lot of people see American Beauty the same way, where it's like it's, it's really it's, comfort it's, food. It's, 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 it is well, though. It's, it's life affirming. It's right? light, yeah. And at the very end, it, but not even just at the very end, but even with uh, you know, it, it's a even in the middle, you're supposed to really be feeling good about what Kevin Spacey's doing, the way he's driving around, singing American Woman, and get you know, leaving his job and working, buying the cool car. Buying, right. Right. Yeah, you're supposed to, you but know, I t- didn't. He's doing I mean, things that you know that that the typical like, oh, I wish I could talk that way to my wife. You know, I could like drive a remote control car around my house. I and, wish I could be as cool and not know, give a shit as much as he does. Right. Yeah. So yeah, you're supposed. I it's guess. a little bit of a dream. You know, the same way Fight Club was. You were supposed to like sympathize with this. Like, I think I had really, my same. I think I had the same gripe with Fight Club. I feel like, but. I'm you did actually, yeah. and I th- I've come to a conclusion in doing this podcast with you, Mike. That Mike, <laughs> I have to look, I have to like it, like at a moral level before I can do anything yes, else. Yes, you yeah. do with char- like with, with characters. You are very morality based. Like, yeah, yeah. It is, which is, I'm surprised you dug Breaking Bad as much as you did because that yeah, I didn't think I was going to, and it took me a while. And actually, the reason why I liked it is because at, at any point, whenever one of them is being like heinous, mm-hmm. like between Walter and Jesse. The other one's being like the good guy. Mm-hmm. And anytime Jesse has a bad episode, well, then Walter's a responsible one. If Walter's mm-hmm. being a jerk, then Jesse's like, come on, Mr. White, what are you doing? Right. So they always balance it out. And that's why I think I was able to stick with it for so long. Mm-hmm. I appreciate 
character journey. This is what bothers me more than anything else. I don't mind like watching a bad character do bad things. Um, I won't love that character, but I can appreciate what it's trying to say. I don't like when they do like, look how cool this guy is. He's right. just treating everyone like crap and you want to be him like i never i never relate to that so it just it's like annoying to me that is that is totally what american beauty is doing mm-hmm. right and that's why I, that's why I, my issue with it i think is at that point tapping like, into this 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 fantasy of everyone being like you know what i don't want to go to work anymore but this, and this is what yeah. bothers me like, like office space. everyone's like oh it's so cool if you had to deal with that guy you would hate that guy like everyone thinks it's cool until you have to deal with that person in real life. I see it every day, and then they're just like, "Oh my god, what a jerk!" I'm like, "He's only doing what like these movies have been telling him to do for years." Like it doesn't. So that's the thing. I feel like it doesn't hold up. It doesn't ring true because that character I don't admire. I don't like. But the character at the end of the movie, when he kind of comes to grips with reality and realizes, like, "Oh my gosh, I have this poor girl here, and like she's in a bad situation. I could help her. Or I could do the wrong thing." Like that's just the kind of stuff I feel like is a lot more relatable true because I, I think everybody that, at their core is is, is that way was and I that think, reveal effective for you when she yes. reveals that she is a virgin yeah because i i really did not think she and maybe that was just like i assumed that she was not yeah i mean i, I um, was the same way when i first saw it i thought she was not a virgin i i think everything with her character honestly she seemed very true i feel like she seemed like a high schooler who knew she was beautiful and knew that was kind of like the only thing she had and you could see how much, how obviously she flaunts it, but she's very scared underneath. In fact, the scene when, um, uh, I forgot the actor, I don't know the actor's name, when he's filming um, right through the West window. Bentley. And he, Bentley. He, he, West Bentley. And he zooms. He's filming on the mirror and you can see her like gyrating and dancing and he's not even like paying attention to her. I was like, oh, how sad. Mm-hmm. Like she thinks she's like all hot and sexy and he doesn't have, have, wants nothing to do with her. Um, so I feel like, yeah, her character, I feel like some of the characters did, like I think his, uh, uh, the girl, <laughs> Jane. Uh, Jane. A lot of hard names to grasp in this one. <laughs> Jane. <laughs> Man, four letters. That's a lot. That's a lot. Um, I thought she she seemed like a real character to me. So there are things that, that do seem real, and mm-hmm. I do seem like I can understand this person. I understand where she's coming from. Um, because I, even she's someone who's like acts like a bitch to her parents, but she very clearly wants them to be like she even says it's not like you ever talk to me. Like when his father goes to, well, when her father goes to talk to him, Kevin's basically trying to talk to her. And she's like, it's not like you ever come and talk to me before. Like, what the hell is this all about? So, like, some of the characters make sense and they work. Other ones are just, like, caricatures or, like, it almost felt like the writer thinks it's cool and wants you to think it's cool, too. Or it's like him living out a, a, a fantasy of his of being the guy who's cool, you know? Um, okay. I think that's a good – I think we're at, we had a good amount of conversation about American Beauty. I think our, our what we're coming down to is watching it now. The movie isn't bad, but you can – it feels – there are things about it that feel either a little bit too, um, too. Well, it feels very. It feels dated either in a '90s sense, or the messages it's striving to get across aren't as deep as it's pretending to be. So, let me really quick just follow up. I said it was very timely. Um, and what I mean about that is, I just it's the dissatisfaction with the corporate lifestyle, the white picket I don't think that's lifestyle. ever going to go away, though. Right. I know that's what I'm saying. I think it's addressing something. I don't think it's necessarily original how it does it or what it's doing, but I think it's like that's still today. I feel like there's still people who. Or chafe at the idea of an office job, I myself included, um, or just kind of going through the rot- the routine or the motions of life mm-hmm. and not actually ha- like living. I, I get that. I think, um, and I, also I think this is a really interesting showpiece for Sam Mendes, who's obviously gone on to you know bigger and better things uh, or whatnot. He's a filmmaker that I think is an. I think he has Ridley Scott syndrome. Mm-hmm. I think he is an amazing visual stylist, mm-hmm. but he is totally dependent on the power of his script and whether or not the movie's good. And um, we actually did uh, Road we did to Road Perdition, to Perdition, and, right, which has which also person. has script problems in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and you just like 
he can shoot a beautiful picture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like but, that one. That and it looked beautifully. Yeah. Um, but I don't know necessarily if he. Like, he's not Spielberg. Like he can't. I don't know if he's a great storyteller. I think he's a great stylist. I think he did a much better job with Suburbia with Revolutionary Road. Did you see that one? Yeah, that movie's... A, movie, lot, a lot of people don't like that movie now. I it's guess fine. another one. I, I didn't people, I, I didn't hate, <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't hate that movie, but that movie is essentially being like, do you want to watch two people be miserable for oh, two yeah. hours? Yeah. <laughs> Welcome yes. to Revolutionary Road. So yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, not, it's not a movie I would actually recommend people watch, but I think it's, and, it's and, a decent decent portrayal of... Like, that of, movie's uh, misery porn. Like, a it, different portrayal of misery porn, I would say. <laughs> um, and I'd rather watch a movie like American Beauty because at the end, at least it's at least giving me something that I can feel good about. It's yeah. something to nosh on. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so any final thoughts about this movie before we close out? Good. Uh, I don't think so. I, I will know. say this movie is a um, public service ad to just get blinds installed in your house because mm. every problem in the movie would be solved yeah. if they just freaking had blinds. That's true. Or if they, look, they had curtains. They could close the curtains. Yeah, just don't. This episode I, look, has been sponsored by Next Day Blinds. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest. Next Day Blinds. I'm not going to be sitting in front of my window naked lifting weights in my garage. I, I don't care if I don't well, think anyone's out there. he was looking down. I mean, I mean. No, he's looking right at himself in the reflection. I would just oh, be like, oh, right, 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 yeah. I'll close the window. I'll check out myself after I yeah. work out. Yeah. Um, well, that's what I do. And like. also, why would you work out without your clothes on? I don't know, whatever. Naked. But I just well, he said he wanted to look good naked. I just feel like every plot, every <laughs> plot issue in the movie could be solved if they just yeah close the window. Yeah, um, <laughs> maybe, that, maybe that's the message of the movie. But if you close the window, you wouldn't be able to look closer. I, that is the tagline of the film. So I think that's a good way to end out. Our next episode is our fiftieth episode. Yay. I'm not and quite. Sh- by the way, we, Dave and I have no idea what we're doing that time. Yeah. I, Ivan is going to be revealing it live, pre-taped, <laughs> right now. It is going to be. We we had a request to do a Die Hard movie by one of our listeners. You can you could talk it out. You can talk it out. Um, okay, let's think about it. I I mean uh, the obvious choice if we're going to do a Die Hard the next for our fiftieth episode is to do the original because it takes place at of Christmas course. time. Of right. course, and it's actually a good movie unlike Die Hard Two. So um, <gasps> we can totally do Die Hard. What's plan to do Die Hard? Okay. Um, that being said, I may call an audible and we might talk about Star Wars because the re-release is coming out. But yeah, we'll see. We, hey, I'm willing to do two weeks in a row if you want. But it's up to you guys. We'll see. It's this time much. of year, <laughs> you're crazy. Hey, yeah, you're well. crazy, man. Um, but we'll we'll plan to do Die Hard to appease our loyal listeners, mm-hmm. and I think that's a good epi- good movie to talk about because it it's is a, a perfect film. Yeah. And um, <laughs> oh, come on, come on, come on, come on. It's Wait, have, you seen, have, you seen, have you seen Die Hard? I saw it with Ivan. Ivan watched it with me. You introduced me to the world, okay. the world of Die Hard. So we're all just going to be... I don't know how interesting that... I, come to think of it, I don't know how interesting that conversation is going to be because it's just going to be me talking about it. Isn't this part cool? Isn't that it's, part it's cool? It's the same <laughs> thing with Star Wars, though. It isn't, way. though, because no. I have I think i got to say about Star Wars. Get off my chest <laughs> yeah. about Star Wars. Oh. Or at least as a cultural... I think that Star Wars is a very interesting cultural artifact. All right. About what it has become. All right, and there was Hold also on. Rocky. Was my other suggestion because Creed, right, Creed, Creed came out, and that's your well, favorite Rocky, movie. Rocky also serves the problem of being a perfect film. Oh. So um, <laughs> I don't know. We can't criticize Rocky because it's so good. What other movies going to give you Sylvester Stallone's <laughs> armpits? I mean, actually, most of them probably. Yeah, exactly. On the on top of the pipe, I know just exactly, those pits. I know exactly yeah. what you're talking about. Um, so we'll, we'll debate it out. It's either going to be Star Wars or uh, Die Hard. And if we don't do Die Hard next time, we can do another Die. We can do a, a more interesting conversation. Might be Die Hard Three because I Christmas think that, technically goes until the sixth of January. So, so we as could, long as we're doing it, we so can maybe still, we do maybe yeah. we do twelve days of Christmas. So mm-hmm. we're gonna how about this? We're gonna plan to talk about Star Wars: A New Hope next okay. next time, and then okay. we're gonna follow that up with Die Hard. Okay, I like so it. until two small independent movies. 
movies yeah. that no one's heard of. <laughs> um, so uh, until next time, we were talking about those films. Um, Mike, wise. where can people find you on the internet? You can find me at MikeMirandi.com or on Twitter at MikeMirandi. I never tweet. I don't know why I keep saying you can find me there. I don't do anything. You can find you there. You can find me there. Just, I just don't do you anything. You can find two years ago, Mike. I just there. sit in the corner with a blank <laughs> expression on my face. Right, yeah, two years ago, me. Dave, where can people find you? You can, find, you can actually find me on Twitter. Uh, Mostly, yeah, he pictures, up. mostly pictures just, of my kids and stuff about movies. Um, <laughs> it's kid pictures from Dave. <laughs> Dave Glanz, G-L-A-N-Z, and DaveGlanzProductions.com. You can find me at LuckyNineStudios.com. My Twitter is at Ivan Kander. That's I-V-A-N-K-A-N-D-E-R. I don't post. I don't tweet that much either. I don't know why I keep saying that either. You don't poach? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Don't uh, I don't poach very much. He doesn't poke. He doesn't do anything. I don't tweet. I don't tweet. I want to start tweeting that. Uh, I also write for the website shortoftheweek.com. Shortoftheweek.com. Thank you. Jesus Christ. <laughs> what if my life become? Um, yeah, so that, that if you want to find us on the web, you can do so at facebook.com slash reviewedpodcast, reviewpodcast.com. Feel free to subscribe. Tell your friends about this amazing show because it's so good. And you can so subscribe via, via iTunes. So until next time, we encourage you to, to, to look, look at closer. the beauty in your life. Yes. And, Take, and, go and outside. Yes. Try not to get shot in the head. Take a walk. Go look at a paper, plastic bag blown in the wind. Don't get shot in the head. Don't get shot in the head. Listeners would be disappointed. Are we, uh, so, what are we talking about today? American, American uh, booty? Booty. Booty. <laughs> That's pretty good. That's pretty good. It's not so bad. Everyone ready? Not terrible. No.